huge news, years in the making, my brand new book that my publishers refuse to publish, Money Matrix. Beat the money system and build generational wealth. Understand the three main ways that the banks productize you and make money from you. You'll be able to turn that system against itself, build generational wealth and multiple streams of recurring income. It's all at moneymatrix.cash. And if you're quick, the first few hundred registrants and buyers will receive many special bonuses from me. The brand new Moneymaker Summit three-day special event. Meet me at a champagne reception. Meet me at a multi-millionaire networking dinner. Go now, moneymatrix.cash. This is huge. Welcome to the Disruptive Entrepreneur Podcast. For anyone who wants to make money and make a difference, grow and leverage your enterprise better, get more done in less time, outsource everything and create your ideal lifestyle. And now, your host, eight times best-selling author and double world record holder, Rob Moore. Welcome to the Disruptive Entrepreneur Caffeine Cast. This is Rob Moore here with a discussion on the innovation implementation dilemma. So here's the quandary you're faced with as a startup, a one-man band, a small business, a large business, an entrepreneur, a disruptor, an innovator, all of us are constantly dealt this dilemma. How much time do you spend working on the business? And how much time do you spend working in the business? Now, generally, when you start up, you have to work hard enough not to have to work hard. So, you know, people talk about the hustle, the grind. And that's true that the harder you work, the probably further down the line you'll get quicker. But the harder you work on the wrong things, the longer it will take to make a mistake and get nowhere. So how do we balance smart strategy, vision, you know, planning, but every minute you're doing that, you're not getting stuff done that gets stuff done, that puts money in the bank, that deals with all the admin, the challenge of running a real day-to-day business. So I'm going to give you a metric towards the end of this caffeine cast, which I think will give you the right balance of innovation versus implementation on versus in. Before I do that, though, give you a few examples in real life for real businesses that have scaled and failed which we can learn from. So let's compare, for example, Kodak and the post-it note. So 3M uh, is the company that manufactures and makes and protects the patents of the post-it note. Kodak actually designed digital photography. Now, 3M never ever planned or intended to design the post-it note. It was a failed glue. It was an accident. Kodak came up with the idea and the design, the strategy of digital photography, but didn't embrace it, didn't leverage it, mothballed it, and ultimately paid the price, you know, by going bust, going out of business. So how do we embrace and balance creating the new innovation, but maybe it's a bit early for us, and allowing ourselves to be organic enough in our plan and vision such that if we stumble upon something like the post-it note, we can drop what we were doing that isn't necessarily going to be as big as this post-it note and give ourselves the freedom to go for it and scale up the post-it note. And a company, among others, but this is the example I'm going to give you that I think allows that great balance is Google and was, while Steve Jobs was alive, they may be doing this now, I don't know, Apple. So Google have a separate entity called Google X. 
And that's basically where the disruptors and innovators can go and play. They can go and test. They can start up all these new crazy ideas. For example, one of their ideas was to um, have internet in third world areas by on suspended hot air balloons. You know, it's just an example I, I heard. I don't know much about it. But can you have an arm of your company where the playful, creative, disruptive people are given the free reign and license to test stuff. At Google X, I understand that people are actually rewarded for failing and rewarded for stopping mothballing new ventures, which again is kind of counterintuitive. Another example is, the, is a competition or a prize. So for example, the Ansari X prize which I believe a virgin won at some stage. So you get these crowdsourced competitions which say, hey, look, we'll pay you 25 grand or a million quid or 10 million quid if you can solve this problem. Crowdsourcing is getting your customers and your clients and your users to help create and solve the problems for your new product or service. So these are all examples, Google X and Sari X Prize or other sort of competitions or crowdsourced ideas of ways you can innovate but ring-fenced out of your day-to-day operations so as not to make sure, you know, to make sure that you're paying the bills and doing the day-to-day things that need to be done. So I challenge you to think about how as an individual or a company you can do that. Now, we have just at Progressive, one of our companies, set up an innovation department. So we got to, what, between 55 and 60 staff And uh, we decided we're actually going to have someone as head of innovation. And their main job is to test things. So they're currently testing virtual reality headsets and seeing how we might be able to bring that into our business. You know, they may test 3D printing. They may test graphene, this new amazing single layer atom atom (laughs) that's apparently harder than any object. So, for example, you could have a single layer on an iPhone screen, which you can see through but it'd be, be impossible to break an iPhone screen. They're, they're, people are testing these. They spray it on an egg, and literally it's virtually impossible to break this egg. But it's just one, one atom thick. So how can we test all of these things, which are a bit woo-woo, a bit out there? You know, We're not going to be able to make money in graphene today in a property investing training company. We're probably not going to be able to make money out of it in virtual reality or even 3D printing yet. Although, as developers, 3D printing is very exciting. But in a year or two years, we could make possibly big money on this. But we've got to find a way of being able to look into these new innovations and disruptions without it disrupting our main day-to-day. So what we've done is we've set up, we've kind of modelled Google X, if you like, in that we've set up a separate department. That'll probably in the future become a separate company where they don't have deadlines of day-to-day stuff, product launches, you know, getting books and podcast episodes out there or, you know, building websites or whatever. Steve Jobs famously, when he wanted to create some kind of new product, would go around his team, his staff, and pick out all the talent and then move them into a different part of the building, you know, a different department. And they would set up building this new thing away from what, you know, what might be seen as bureaucracy of, uh, you know, the general business practice. So how much time then should you spend on that disruption and innovation ring-fenced and your day-to-day operations. Well, I've been doing some research in this, and it is suggested that in the next year, if you plan one year in advance, 
70% of your revenue should and would come from day-to-day operations. So that would be implementation. And 30% of your revenue should and will come from the future. So that would be innovation. But, and this is interesting, when you go three years, five years and beyond in your planning, it almost reverses where only 30% of your revenue will come from current day-to-day activities and 70% from innovation. And if you think about it, that makes sense because in three or five years, what you're doing today might go out of date, it might change, evolve, it might get disrupted, it might not work completely. So that's really helped me trying to embrace all these new innovations. Because for example, podcasting wasn't something that was really part of my time or business. It's not something that, you know, we have a direct response sale or, or angle on. But now we have three podcasts. So mark my words, the Progressive Property Podcast and the Disruptive Entrepreneur. We have two full-time people who sort of manage our time to make sure we get the episodes out. And they do the audio and video recordings and editing. And, you know, we're, we're now creating all the show notes and full detailed transcriptions of all the podcasts that will be launched on the Disruptive Entrepreneur probably right at the start of 2017. So that's become a bigger thing. Now, had we not allowed some of our team to take on and play with this, because you know, it's not bringing any revenue into the business when it starts, or at least you don't think it is, it wouldn't have happened. But now I know that this podcast that I'm talking to you on now has brought in more than seven figures for, to, for my business, indirectly, directly, whatever, you know, you know with, without it ever intending to be like that. It was just something I wanted to embrace, to have fun with, to be able to create, um, to be able to express myself creatively, if you like, have a rant on something that I own rather than, you know, get, well, just play really. Now, Richard Branson, he doesn't like his companies to get bigger than a hundred people. And when they do, he likes to break them up and, you know, silo different areas because he thinks that once they get to a hundred, they get big, they get layered, they get slow, maybe they get lazy, maybe there's bureaucracy, there's certainly less agility. And um, in his book, Business Strip Bear, he, he references a Japanese curse. So if they really want to curse you, they will say, may you have more than 100 staff in your business? <laughs> Bow. And, and I find that quite funny. And um, I've not quite experienced that to the 100 members yet, but I certainly have felt now that we've got 60, things take a lot longer than they should. And um, there's confusion and communication lines are organic and nebulous and all over the place. And, um, you know, we've always been very fast, idea into reality, very fast. And we're finding that more of a challenge now. So I'm looking, how can I break this up? Innovation department is the first one. All right. So let's just recap and make sense and order of this. So how do you balance the innovation and implementation dilemma? You allow people a part of their role, like maybe Friday or 20% of their role to experiment, to test new innovations. You give them the freedom to do that. Maybe where areas have budget, like in marketing, you allow them 20% of their budget to test, to play, to not waste, but waste with, you know, they're not going to get summoned if they, this money doesn't come to anything because they're testing new databases, they're testing new partners, they're testing new marketing strategies. We're currently testing pay-per-click ads on Instagram, on Reddit, on Twitter, areas that we haven't conventionally used historically either. Or you have a Google X where you literally have a siloed company or department where they're allowed to play and innovate and test. And then when that works, you bring it into your company. You maybe have the Ansari X Prize strategy where you pay 
a prize for someone solving one of your problems, your, a new product, a new disruption, something like that. And um, that can actually save you from having to do it internally. Maybe you'd think I'll pay a prize the amount that it would cost me to do internally, but it normally costs you twice as much and takes twice as long and often doesn't work. So you're actually paying less. You then have the crowdsourcing model where you ask your customers, clients and users to come up with the ideas of your product for you so that they're helping you with the future innovation. You have the 70, 30, 30, 70 rule where you look at 30% in year one is in innovation, but 70% in year five is innovation. All right, so go play with that. Remember that innovation is as much experimentation and having fun and playing and testing and getting rid of failure and getting rid of fear as it is you know, what people perceive it to be, which is sort of pressure to move with the times. And I hope you've enjoyed this caffeine cast. It's been Rob Moore here. And remember, if you don't risk anything, you risk everything.